Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts, Spen and Nick, and little brother, we have Nets basketball to actually talk about for the first time since June. You know, I went to the dentist this morning, uh, and we have the same dentist, Dr. Stephen L. Kim in, uh, in Westwood, New Jersey. Shout way, out. To, way to dox our dentist, you weirdo. Shout out to KimFamilyDental.com. Uh, and did you know his sons are Nets fans? And they went to Barclays last year for the Celtics playoff game. Uh, one of the games in that series. I don't know if it's the same one I went to, but fun fact. So in New Jersey, back where my parents raised me, going to my, my childhood dentist, and you find Brooklyn Nets fans wherever you go. So that was a good sign that made me happy. Did he uh, ask you about our podcast? And did you did you tell him to tell his children to listen to it no you know he's his hands were in my mouth most of the time so i couldn't get out that many words all right nick well it's great that you're talking nets with our dentist and not mentioning fireside nets but um we had some nets basketball on sunday that we will get to a little preseason action against the cross-country los angeles lakers wait are you sure that was a, a scrimmage or is that just a cam thomas shooting practice Ooh, we will get into that, Nick. But first, we have to do hashtag vaccination talk. Is that a thing? It's not, but I'm going to make it a thing. Tim Bontemps tweeted earlier uh, today, which is Monday. You guys are listening on Tuesday. So he tweeted early Monday, reporting with Bobby Marks, the NBA and the NBA Players Association have agreed to a reduction in pay of 191.6th of a player's salary for each game an unvaccinated player misses in their home market because of local laws. For example, Kyrie Irvin would lose roughly $381,000 per game. Wow. That's $191.6, That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's a movement going on. And the majority of people are trying to uh, uh, contribute and participate and support that movement. And uh, the people who aren't, unfortunately, if they're in the minority uh, and this organization known as the NBA believes in a certain agenda that I'm not going to say whether or not I support or do not support because this is a non-political podcast. Just get the goddamn vaccine. All right. So I don't want to talk too much about this because we have a lot of better things to discuss, including actual Nets basketball. But I'm going to say a couple of things. Andrew Wiggins, who wanted to basically be exempt from the vaccine, but he was denied. uh, He tried to get religious exemption. He recently got the vaccine. So basically, he said, "I, I don't want it. Here's the reason. They said, no, you're not exempt. He said, fine, I'll get it. JJ Redick on his podcast, I think it's the old, what's it called? I don't want to mess up the name. You're gonna Nick's Nick's gonna look up JJ Reddick's podcast, but he said, and I thought this was so well, I well it's put. The old man and the three. Okay, the old man and the three. He basically said he whatever you know all the anti-vax people are called anti-vaxxers. He is opposite that he's pro-vaccine, and he said you know he, he he's listened to all the players, but then he thinks about what Carl Anthony Towns went through, 
losing a parent, losing a grandparent, getting the COVID-19 virus, having to deal with that. Cat has gone through so much shit with this fucking virus. And he got the vaccine because he doesn't want to end up, you know, worse off without it. And a lot of these players are not like taking his experience into consideration. And that that's the only thing that bothers me. It's like you guys have this teammate, this employee in the NBA who, who you work with. He's a coworker, let's call him. And he's telling you guys, hey, people have died because they haven't received the vaccine from this virus. People close to me. And and that if that's not sinking in, then I don't know what will. Um, but I just thought the way J.J. Reddick spoke about that uh, last week, or I, I thought that was perfect. So I don't want to speak too much on it. You know, obviously, we're, we're dancing around the elephant in the room, but Kyrie Irving right now, as, as it uh, remains, he, he might not play home games this season for the Brooklyn Nets. Steve Nash said he was unsure of his status to practice this week. Um, but Kyrie Irving tweeted for the first time in a while. He doesn't really tweet. I'm not sure if this was in response to this recent news uh, and this agreement between the NBA and the NBA PA, or if this was totally unrelated, but he tweeted a picture of, I think, Avatar, the last airbender, and he wrote, step into your power with uh, crossed fingers. I'm not really sure how to read into that. I never watched it. I think it was read between the lines. Read between the lines. Okay, you might be right. Um, I never watched Avatar The Last Airbender, so I, I, I don't know what the message is in that movie. Look, whatever Kyrie Irving decides to do is on him, but I, I really just want this team whole selfishly. That's what I want to see when the season starts. The big three, all the additions that Sean Marks has made, the young guys, um, everybody. I want to see them together. And and do I think that this Nets team can win a championship without Kyrie Irving? Yes, but it makes it that much harder. I just want to see him back in a Nets uniform. I don't just want to see him play away games. How shitty would that be, by the way, to go through a whole season not having fans cheer you? I mean, uh, if I, if that was the case, I said this last week, dude. I don't want him. I, I get it. I understand your perspective, and I, I don't want to get too into it, but it's news. Like We have to talk about it. This is a Nets podcast, and one of our prominent members I'd is – Kemba- I'd rather have Kemba Walker. Okay, now you're getting crazy. All right, Nick. So the Nets played a basketball game on Sunday uh, against the Lakers, preseason action. A lot of good things. Now, there were a lot of inactives. James Johnson, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Patty Mills, Blake Griffin, uh, Joe Harris all did not play. I could be missing one or two guys. Um, I don't think I am. So the starting five that the Nets put out there was Javon Carter, Bruce Brown, DeAndre Bembry, Paul Millsap, and LaMarcus Aldridge. Wow, my five at Brooklyn Bridge Park Saturday morning could probably take that five. You know, you'd be wrong because I'm going to tell you what every player gave to this to this team, and we'll start with the starting five. So I want to start with LaMarcus Aldridge, LMA. He looks like he did not lose a step. Only played 14 minutes in this one, but ended up with six points, four rebounds, three assists. He looked very good. He, he was a plus seven, I believe. That's a triple single. Triple single. The Nets came out nice. I, I mean, they won this game 123 to 97, but that's because they went on a fourth quarter explosion. They blew the Lakers out in the fourth quarter. It was beautiful. 
But getting back to the starting five, so LMA looks like he hasn't missed a beat. Was very excited to see him shooting the mid-range jumper, nailing that. Um, had a few assists. He looks great. I would be an advocate for him to start over Blake Griffin. Now, I might be in the minority, but I think that he just adds an element that as much as I love Blake, I don't think that Blake can give you. Now, if you want to go big, you can start LMA, Blake, and then Joe Harris goes to the bench with KD, Harden, and Kyrie, assuming Kyrie's out there. Um, but I really like the minutes LMA gave them. So that's what I'm going to say about him. Anything else about LaMarcus? He looks healthy, and he looks confident. You know, I, I was slight, part of me was slightly worried he'd come out a little too hesitant. He'd come out not sure how hard to push himself. Granted, he's a big veteran that doesn't move that much as it is besides kind of his his – slow jog up and down the court to go to offense to defense and vice versa. Um, his, you know, his, his spin fadeaway shot uh, isn't super quick. It's smooth. It's elegant. So I, it was just reassuring to me to see LaMarcus Aldridge playing as LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, yes, of course he had limited minutes. He wasn't out there diving for loose balls and breaking his back to win a scrimmage game, understandably so, but he looked okay out there. He looked healthy and, and that's promising going into the season. So a new face in Brooklyn, Paul Millsap started at the four. Um, Millsap, Millsap ended up with good numbers, 10 points, 10 rebounds. He was two of four from three. Um, I'll say this. I don't know how many minutes he will see come playoff time. He's definitely lost a step. He doesn't do any one thing particularly well. He's kind of like Blake Griffin, but minus the toughness. Yes, he can create his own shot a little bit. How often will the Nets really need that? He's not really a rebounder. I know he ended up with 10 rebounds, but I, th I think that's a high number for him. Um, he looked a step slow. He looked a little bit old. Having said that, to have him as your 10th or 11th player, I think is great. Um, I just don't know how much time Millsap will see come playoff time. I think he'll be big during the regular season. I mean, listen, he ages faster than Benjamin Button, but we don't need him to do anything else other than hit open three-pointers and have a positive attitude, okay? We got rid of Jeff Green, unfortunately. We don't have that veteran leader who could just kind of come in, confidently, gracefully hit an open shot. Now, if Paul Millsap can get a couple rebounds, he can give our bigger guys a blow, like LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin, our more important bigs, if he can give them a little breather to come back in at crunch time, and he can hit that corner three, when Harden, KD, or Kyrie creates, he will be open. Jeff Green and Joe Harris. Well, Joe Harris, towards the end, you know, he started to get doubled because of how good he was. Jeff Green was open a lot. Bruce Brown had a lot of open threes. Landry Shamit couldn't hit one of them, but had a lot of open threes because of our superstars drawing doubles and getting more attention. So if Paul Millsap can be a good veteran leader, he could be a hype man, a team player, and he could shoot, you know, over 42, 43% from the three-point line, I know it's a little bit of a big ask because he'll probably sit around the 35 to 40 range on a good day, then he can get those consistent 10 to 12 minutes. That's all we need out of him, right? Three to six points a game, hit an open three, do your part. So to me, him going two for four from three was promising. Obviously, you know, it's a skewed stat line come a scrimmage like this, but uh, I don't expect nor do I want more out of him uh, besides just hitting those consistent threes. Uh, and, and being uh, just just a positive influence on those younger guys. Real fast, just returning to LaMarcus Aldridge, um, and that was a great, great viewpoint on Paul Millsap. I, I agree with everything you said. Thank you. It was funny because we were going up against the Lakers, so you know who their starting center was? DeAndre Jordan, familiar face. 
So Jordan had seven points and four rebounds, five of eight from the free throw line. It's funny because everything that we did not like about DeAndre Jordan, the fact that he couldn't space the floor, the fact that he made a lot of mental errors, the fact that he couldn't shoot free throws, he looks like he's going to be a much better fit in Los Angeles. Um, him and Dwight Howard are going to be a nice one-two punch at center for the Lakers. Listen, and when, the Lakers play a lot more bully ball. They do. And, and, and that's when, DeAndre's game. Right, right. And when they need to, they'll have AD at the five. So the Lakers have a nice depth in their front court. Um, it was just funny watching LaMarcus Aldridge and DeAndre Jordan go at it because literally Aldridge showed up, took DJ's job, and then had, had his health scare. DJ tried to kind of get his job back, but Nash wasn't really having it at the end of that season. Okay, moving on in the starting five. Bruce Brown, Nick. You want to talk about a player who showed a lot of improvement in 25 minutes of action. Bruce Brown had 12 points. He had three rebounds, two assists. But the big number was two of two from the three-point line. And his three-pointer, his three-point stroke looked pure. I mean, granted, he was wide open both times, essentially. But that's something that we've heard he's worked on in the offseason you know, the, the Nets hired Kyle Corver as, as an assistant. He's got a lot of great shooters on this team that can give him some pointers. But if Bruce Brown can confidently knock down open three-pointers, oh, buddy, that just adds a whole nother element to this man's game. I mean, that's just called smart strategy, in my opinion, right? What was the one piece of Bruce Brown's game that was missing? And it was any sort of outside-the-paint jump shot, right? He has that nice little floater down. He could drive. He could slam it home. He's a top-notch defender. He's even a solid passer. He, he gets the ball in the middle. He looks across court. He does a nice skip pass. He has some decent court vision for a guy you wouldn't expect to really be a distributor uh, given his, his past experience. The one thing in his game was hitting that open three. He had a bunch of good looks in the playoffs from the corner uh, and didn't shoot him at a high efficiency rate. If Bruce Brown, like Sam, same thing said about Paul Millsap, the same complaint I had about Shamit is if you can hit that open shot, you will earn minutes on the court and you will kind of round our team out, right? It's the Mo Williams effect. When LeBron gets a quadruple team and a nobody like Mo Williams or Booby Gibson on those old Cleveland Cavs teams can start hitting consistent threes, not only do they make a name for themselves, they start helping this team win. So I think that's smart. I also think for Bruce Brown, he is starting to get some more competition from these other guards, right? They bring in Patty Mills, who already is a three-point specialist. They bring in Cam Thomas, who I know we'll get to, is probably already the most confident shooter on the team for some reason, right? He might be the most confident shooter in the league, in dude. In the world. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, one, is it smart for the Nets? Yes, but it's also, too, smart for Bruce Brown's career. He needs something like that to elevate his game. So a promising sight. Um Super smart on the Nets coaching staff, putting focus onto that, but just, just good for every party involved. Rounding out the starting five, I'll mention both these guys in the same sentence. DeAndre Bembry and Javon Carter. Uh, Bembry with eight points on two of three from the field. A uh, few free throws for Bembry. He's going to be like a do-it-all kind of utility player. He's a good defender. He can rebound. He can pass. Not the best shooter in the world, but he gives you length at that three position if you need him uh he is someone who can can sneak in some minutes in the regular season but he, he's an energy guy Bembry. He, he's sort of like what we kind of thought bruce brown would be at the start of last season but bruce brown really exceeded expectations so Bembry is starting off where bruce brown was at the beginning of last season if that makes sense and then javon carter 
he's good for point guard depth. Um, he was three of nine from the field. He had eight points. He also had two assists. A uh, little trigger happy for my liking. Did not show the stroke. Didn't really see that that solid look. It's a preseason game. He might have just been off, but I no, prefer. He, he hasn't really come to the NBA and gotten a shot down. I think at this yeah. point he's just trying to he, listen. He's trying to earn minutes. Okay, he, he's trying to earn a spot in this rotation. So I, I understand someone in his position. I, right I now mean, look. Two of four from three, so 50% there, but three of nine from the field. Um, I just – look, we have Kyrie, we have James Harden, we have Patty Mills, we have Cam Thomas. He is our fifth point guard. You know what I mean? All those guys can play point if we need them to. I mean, listen, Javon Carter is good for one thing. He's going to be when Kyrie needs two minutes and we want to put an, uh, our best defending guard out there. Granted, Bruce Brown's already out there or he's resting because he's been playing more so. Javon Carter will come out and he'll shut down Dennis Schroeder against the Celtics in the first round of the playoffs. Um, but he, he's not going to go beyond that, nor do we want him to. I don't want Javon Carter shooting. Now, I like Javon Carter. I've liked him. I said this in the previous podcast. Back to his West Virginia days. I think he's a great athlete. I think he's a smart player. I think he's a top-notch defender. With that said, we don't need guys coming out here thinking they need to prove themselves on this Nets team. Yes, you need to prove yourselves in some capacity. You don't need to shoot it. We have shooters. We have scorers do all the little things right, and you might end up with a ring on your finger. I just think out of the five, he was easily the weakest offensive player, but he took nine shots, which you know I wasn't crazy about. Um, his defense is what makes him special, Javon Carter. That's why we we signed him. You know, he's he's a tenacious defender, but at the same time, how much offense are we going to sacrifice at the point guard position for Javon Carter to maybe slow down? a Damian Lillard or a Steph Curry, but like how much is he going to slow them down? You know, I don't think that, I don't think that Javon Carter is going to be Steph Curry's kryptonite on defense. So no, but you know what I can imagine could be cool is if we have a lineup where we're giving Irving and Harden a blow and where we have uh, Javon Carter, Bruce Brown and KD in those one, two, threes. And it's just literally Javon Carter and Bruce Brown getting every loose ball and shutting down the open shots from the guards and then just dishing it to KD on offense. That you know would how- be like a, a, just like a pump and run, like dump offense. Like that would be a fun, interesting strategy. I don't know if it would work because you wouldn't really need to guard Brown and Javon Carter past the, past the arc, but it would be interesting to see. So two things, people who don't know what a blow means, Nick uh, refers to like a player getting a rest as a blow. If you haven't listened to this podcast before, a blow means rest. The second thing, it almost reminds me like when you play 2K and you do the subs and they have like the different categories, you can do like all three point. That would be your all defensive lineup. You know, Bruce Brown, Javon Carter, KD, who would round out that all defensive lineup? I guess I'd Nick say Blake Griffin and Nick Claxton, right? Uh, Aldridge isn't a bad defender. He's oh, but Claxton's well. better yeah, defensively. I mean, yeah. And Glenn Griffin's taking all these charges. So, yeah, that, yeah. that would be a solid lineup. We uh, should do, he's not a bad defender. He's not a bad defender. We should do that segment uh, one of these episodes, maybe in the future. We we categorize the all three-point, all bench, all tall man, and all defense. You know it would be a fun segment? Who needs a blow? Question mark. Yeah, I don't like that. Okay, so let's get to this Nets bench because there's a lot to talk about here. And we are going to start with the young man, Cam Thomas. So Cam Thomas played 22 minutes. He was 7 of 14 from the field, and he had, I believe, it's not letting me, 21 points. He had. Uh, he also shot one of three from three. 11, he made, from, oh wait, 11 from what from the field? 
He was seven of 14 from the field. Oh, seven from four. Oh, okay. One of three from three point land, six of seven from the free throw line for 21 points. Now he did mix in two assists there. So everybody who wants to say Cam Thomas doesn't pass, I saw him throw an alley-oop to two players, essentially. I, I think it was Sharp and Kekok, and Kekok was the one who, who nailed the alley-oop. We'll get into him in a little bit because I liked what he gave the Nets. But, look, everyone makes these jokes, oh, Cam Thomas doesn't pass, he's a ball hog, we called him the most confident shooter in the world. He is fucking smooth. He knows how to score. He can score off the dribble. His mid-range game is excellent. It's not good. It's excellent. And he's someone who, if Kyrie Irvin is forced to miss games, he can really step up and make an impact at that at that two guard. Yeah. I you just like are all in on this guy, and I think I'm a little more skeptical. I mean, he looked good. He definitely has is, is trying to earn a spot in this rotation. Listen, everyone's trying to earn a spot in this rotation, but some people understand that they're they're always going to be role players, right? Bruce Brown knows he's never going to be the go-to guy. Uh, uh, Patty Mills knows he's never going to be the go-to guy. Even Blake Griffin knows he's never going to be the go-to guy. Cam Thomas is like Karis Levert in a sense of, or Spencer Dinwiddie, and has the the mentality, which is not a bad thing, is I don't care how many effing superstars are on this team, I'm going to try to be one of them. Which, listen, you have to respect, right? Because this guy's trying to earn his keep in the NBA. He wants to be great. He has the mentality. He has the confidence of, I am going to get mine. Don't tell me to not shoot, right? Don't tell me to take a back seat. And when can you can you take the most advantage of that? Is in a scrimmage, is in the preseason. That's really the only opportunity he's going to get to have that. He might get to start this season four to six minutes off the bench. Now, is it smart of him to come off this bench in a regular season game and just start hucking? Now, if it goes in, it looks good. If it doesn't, he gets pulled right away and he doesn't get his minutes. So it's a weird situation. I like what he's trying to do, and he looked really freaking good this last game. I know you you personally think if Kyrie doesn't play those home games, right, if Patty Mills getting a little older, Cam Thomas could be the guy to come in, earn those minutes, and actually score the ball. My concern is he's just young and inexperienced. When is he going to know when to stop, right? When is he going to make a pass before shooting? Is he going to well, be able to – all right, all right. Let's, let's back up here. So – He's not going to crack the rotation initially. It's it's going to be really tough for him to, to see minutes on this roster at the beginning of the season. But if it plays out a certain way, he, he could start to see heavy minutes. Do you really think that there are going to be moments, important moments in the season, where he has the ball and Kevin Durant or James Harden are open and he doesn't pass it to them? Do you, do you think that will happen? Because that's essentially what you're that saying. That depends how open he is. Listen, dude, I've seen a lot of players go out there, not like see an open man, but think they can shoot a step back instead. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I, I mean, I don't think that'll be the case. I think that his game can really mesh with what Harden and KD do because he is a pure scorer. And that's why Kyrie works with those two guys. And, and, and Harden, at this point, Harden's almost passed first. Harden is such a smart basketball player. He he he's past he's first, but past first, yeah. he knows if he if he has a mismatch or he, he can take someone off the dribble, he's going to score. He's got that step bag in his game. But I think him and Cam can really mesh well. But I look, I was impressed with Cam in the summer league. Now you play the Lakers with actual NBA talent. I mean, he was cooking Wayne Ellington. He was cooking Malik Monk. He was serving these guys up on a platter. Ended up with twenty one. Wait, really- I'm sorry. He was cooking Wayne Ellington. Wayne Smellington is going to get some serious minutes for the Lakers. All right, moving on. 
Um, next up, we got to talk about Nick Claxton. A little bit disappointed by him. Uh, he opted, you know, the Nets didn't want to play him in the summer league. Totally understand that. Two years under his belt, almost established. But still, only has played 47 games in the NBA. He is still a project. The offensive game needs a lot of work. Uh, he only had three points in this one in 13 minutes. He was, let's see, he was, Nick Claxton was one of four from the field. Um, and he just, he doesn't look like a dog out there, man. Like part of the whole Nick Claxton effect is I want to see him getting loose balls. I want to see him getting rebounds. He wasn't doing that in this game, if anything. And I saw this on Nets Twitter. He looked a little gassed at times, which is very embarrassing. You're only playing 13 minutes in a preseason game and you look tired. And the other thing is I saw him getting bitched around a little bit by De DeAndre Jordans and the Dwight Howards. And just like, look, it was 13 minutes of action. It could have just been an off day. But this team has a lot of depth at the front court now with the Millsaps and the Aldridges and this guy Kakach and, and Dumboya will get to. I, I just don't know if there's room for Nick Claxton to regress if he wants to see minutes on this team. Listen, here's what's sad to me. Nick Claxton has never had a, a bit of controversy. No one's ever questioned his effort. No one's ever questioned his practice uh, methods. No one's ever called him lazy. No one. He's not a stoner. I don't think he's a big drinker, a partier. I don't think he does anything outside of basketball or in practice to diminish his game. Based on what you know, but sure, Based which on is what not a lot. And to even and here's what I'm getting at. I think everything that's going on with Nick, Cla with Nick Claxton is fully mental because I think he does the right things in practice. I think he puts in the time in the gym. And, and just to back that up, if you look up Nick's Cla Nick Claxton nets, the first thing that comes up, right? James Harden on Nick Claxton. He reminds me of Clint Capella, yes. but with more skill offensively. I've never seen that ever from Nick Claxton in right. a game. So then right. Harden must be seeing something in practice that we are not seeing, right? And then the next one, Nets Wire. Kyle Korver is on a mission to improve Nick's Cla Nick Claxton's shot. So there is something in the Nets organization where these players and this admin and these coaches see something in Claxton in practice. They see something behind the scenes that we don't, whether it be in his skill, in his attitude, in his effort, in his hustle, in his mentality. Whatever they see, we don't see because he steps on the court and it does not translate. Now, I like Nick Claxton. I have nothing against Nick Claxton, but it looks like he steps onto the court He's shaky. He's in his head. He has such like he has such a, an awful touch around the rim in a game. The dude's almost seven feet tall, and he's bricking layups off the backboard. I'm sorry, you don't do that unless you are terrified, right? Unless you get the ball in your hands and you literally want to get rid of it as soon as possible, like it's a goddamn hot potato. So I agree with you based on what we've seen. Nick Claxton is going to have a tough time earning minutes in this rotation, but this team and this organization, people are seeing something in him. So I hope. For his sake in this league, I don't think the Nets necessarily need him to win. I don't think he's a huge piece of this puzzle. I think we'll be okay. But for his sake, please, you know, Djokovic, Novak Djokovic, if you guys watch tennis, he's the best tennis player of all time. Uh, he says players do not work on the mental aspect as the, uh, in the game, and it's just as important as the physical aspect. Players spent too much time working on their body and not enough time working on their mind. So listen, I don't want to jump to conclusions. I don't know if this is right, but Nick Claxton needs to get in the headspace that everybody is rooting for him. He just needs to find his touch. He needs to find his confidence out there. He needs to figure out how to get in the zone because the clock is ticking on Nicholas Claxton. And if this year isn't a big jump for him, I'm not sure he'll be sitting in a Brooklyn bench seat next year. 
It's a great point. His one basket was a fast break dunk uh, pass from Bembry to a wide open Claxton. The Nets tweeted, got our first Clax attack. It was the only Clax attack of the of the day. Um, a young player who really took advantage of his opportunity on Sunday and, and looks like a guy who can steal minutes from Claxton is the Nets draft pick Dayron Sharp out of USC. He looked extremely tough. So there was a sequence where he got elbowed in the mouth by Dwight Howard. Did you see that? He, he gets he, he gets hit in the mouth and his cheek is bleeding. Howard's laughing it off. And Frank Isola, who was calling this game, uh, I think it was with Ruko or so, maybe someone else, he made a great point. He kind of said that Dwight Howard over these last few years has become sort of a villain, sort of like a Dennis Rodman type later in Rodman's career where no one likes Howard. Howard agitates the shit out of opponents but he kind of gets away with it because he's because he's always he's the eighth or ninth guy on the team. So if he gets kicked out, it, it's not that big of a deal. But he hits sharp, sharp's bleeding, dirty play. Um, how does Sharp respond? He comes back and he just starts bodying dudes. There was a play where he took his his um he took his opponent off the dribble. He misses the shot. Right, he does a little running floater, misses the shot on the back iron, then takes a step, gets his rebound, and dunks it all in one motion. If you can look that play up, it was the Nets' 118th point. It was with two minutes left in the game, so it was in garbage time. But he is a tough dude, and he was banging on the glass. Uh, I'm going to see what his stats ended up being. He had 13 points. He was a plus 18, and he had 13 and six rebounds on four of seven from the field. So, and that was in 13 minutes. So him and Claxton got the exact same amount of minutes. He had 13 and six. Claxton had three and whatever. And he just looked like he was more willing to bang with these guys. So I really like what, what Dayron Sharp gave the Nets um, in his limited action. And, and, and Nick Claxton has to watch his back. His playing time is not guaranteed. Uh, anything on Sharp before I move on to the final four young guys who we'll, we'll touch upon. No, I agree. Uh, again, just just another tough, uh, uh, tough look for Claxton, right? They're kind of building these guys and grooming them and developing them at just a faster pace. So poor Claxton, but yeah, uh, I like Sharp a lot. I think I think he's a beast, and I think Sharp already has a better touch than Claxton, which is sort of embarrassing because Claxton's been in the league for two years. But is what it is. All right, moving on. Uh, Kessler Edwards. Here's what I'll say about Kessler Edwards. He reminds me of Channing Fry. Very similar body type, very similar game, uh, a lot of fadeaways, you know, even in the post, not really taking dudes strong, but sort of floating it over them. He hit a three-pointer in this game. Esler, Kessler ended up with nine points on three of eight from the field and one of four from three. He's Chan- he's a Channing Fry, so it sort of, you know, reminds me of, of, of uh, Richard Jefferson's buddy over there. Yeah, these guys are chump change. I wouldn't call them chump change, okay? They're going to be two-way players. They're going to have their opportunity because you know guys are going to get hurt in the regular season. And Edwards is someone who who might see you know playing time this year. I don't know how much, but he he's someone the Nets like. They 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 drafted him, I think, in the second round, and he's someone who can contribute. Yeah, maybe we'll get Henry Henry Rolling Gardner too. David Duke Jr., uh, who who uh, I saw Chris Mulholland put out a tweet. Shout out to Chris Mulholland, Nets Daily Writer. Um, David Duke Jr. had a quote. Uh, earlier in the summer, basically saying how all the veterans have really kind of given him some great advice and, and just been very helpful in his progression and, and trying to become an NBA player. And he looked pretty good in, in his uh, his 30 minutes of action, 
13 points for David Duke Jr., four of nine from the field. He had – how many assists did he have? David Duke Jr. had two assists, three steals, seven rebounds. Um, nice outing for him. He's a tweener to me. He's not a point guard. He's not really a, 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 a pure shooting guard. He's a tweener. He's someone who kind of like Cam Thomas but not as not as polished offensively. He'll definitely spend a lot of time in the G League. I think they'll work on on getting him up to snuff. But um, I like I what I saw. A tweener was when somebody had a tiny wiener. You call no, it a tweener. that is not a tweener. A you tweener, have a tweener. A tweener is someone. Thank you. Who is in position? Some girls prefer that. Who is in? Uh, you know, in between two positions, and that is that's David Duke Jr. Um, but the funny thing is, outside of Nick Claxton, nobody played poorly in this game for the Brooklyn Nets. So we go down the list. We have two more guys. I brought him up earlier, Devante Kekok. Kekoch. I got to figure out how to pronounce his name because it's definitely not Kekok. Um, very athletic. He is a more polished version, to be honest with you, of Nick uh, of Alize Johnson. He was a stud in the G League. He got a little bit of time with the Lakers the last few years, but he is someone who, like I said, same thing with Kessler Edwards. When guys go down, when guys get hurt, when guys need rest, you might bring up you know Devante for a few games, and he is someone who can give you an Alize Johnson 2020 type performance. He's got that in him. He is he is a very athletic, strong dude. He can score the basketball. I think he hit a three in this game, which is something I never I saw. you ever say someone's better than Alize Johnson. So Katcock had nine points in 12 minutes. He was four of five from the field. He was one of one from three, and he had a dunk at the very end of the game to just kind of close it out. But I liked his game. He is someone who I, I think can help out the Nets. And then – Last but not least, Sequoia Dumboya. I don't know if I'm I'm saying his name right. I, again, I got to learn him and him and Devante Catcock's name. But Dumboya looked really good in his limited action. So Dumboya only played. He played 13 minutes as well. But in 13 minutes, he had uh, I think it was 13 points. I hate this website by the way, NBA.com. So Dumboya had 11 points. He had four rebounds. It would help and- if when you explain some of these players that our fans probably haven't heard of to just kind of say like, Hey, this is a rookie from this college or this. Well, he, okay. This, um, so if pick. you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a Nets fan. You probably know who's on this team. I'm a Nets fan. I don't know where Sequoia Dumboya is from. Well, he, he was in Detroit. He got traded in the Deandre Jordan deal. Okay. Now I know that. Jesus Christ. You, you host a Nets podcast. Learn some yeah, of these things. We have to teach people things. They don't. Yeah. I have to things. teach you things. Yeah. You do. Everyone's everyone needs to learn. We're constantly you, learning. You fucking frustrate me sometimes, little brother. I gotta be honest with you. Dumboya, young, very athletic, very raw. Uh six nine, six ten, big man. Um, he's actually six eight. I'm sorry, but he's 20 years old. 20 years old, six eight. He is someone who is always in the right place at the right time. And I think that's what the Nets have to like about him. In a lot of areas, like, like he's raw, but he's already so smart for his age. I think on the court, he knows his game. He knows his body. Um, him and Devontae Kakao kind of gave very similar efforts, which was they only played, you know, 13, 14 minutes, but it's preseason. You know that you're probably not going to see the court a lot in the regular season. So go all out, do what you can do to impress the coaches, impress the scouts. Uh, I don't know what scouts you're impressing if you're already on the team. But just just play your ass off, and and those two guys really really looked like they they want to try to make this roster. And and Dumboya is someone again. He's twenty years old, Nick. 
might be the youngest, one of the younger players on this team. He's been in the NBA for, for two or three years. Um, very, very, very excited to see what he can do for the Nets. And, and like I said, this is another guy who's a front court player who can steal minutes from Nick Claxton, from an older Paul Millsap. So that was every single player who played in the game on Sunday. That was a breakdown of all their performances. Uh, I liked what I saw from everybody, especially Cam Thomas. Wasn't crazy about Claxton or Millsap, but he, Millsap had a double-double, so I guess I can't complain that much about uh, old Paul Wall. Um, anything else before we close out the pod, Nick? No. Thank you. That was great. Um, I just want to say that, you know, I, I I felt a spark watching the Nets play on Sunday, even though seven important players, including four or five starters, weren't even in uniform. Um, I felt a spark that I haven't felt since June of of this year, and that is that basketball is almost back. And this Nets team, they're championship contenders. They have a ridiculously talented roster. They have a nice blend of young players, older veterans, and superstars. And I, I just think that Sean Marks did a phenomenal job. It's all about execution now. It's all about working on your game plan, getting your team right for October or yeah, yeah, October, later it's in October. And just staying healthy. And and it's, you know, this is where it starts, Nick. It doesn't start in the playoffs. It starts in these preseason games. So, so far, no, currently. don't start in the playoffs. Then everybody would make it. Am I right? The Nets had the MVP in the summer league. They had one of the best players in this young developmental league in the summer in Cam Thomas. They blew out the Lakers in this first game. And, and I understand a lot of people didn't play. I get that. But it, it's not about that. It's about building off a of momentum. It's about you know, capturing and seizing opportunities. And I really think that the Nets are ready to take on the challenge of being that championship favorite this year. So I, I am just so excited to get back into Barclays Center, watch this team live. You and I are going to go to our fair share of games this year. And I just cannot wait for the regular season to begin. Hell yeah. All right. You want to take us home? Catch you on the fireside. Thanks for listening to another episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Shebang, shebang.